Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to a special episode of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxy Nafusi. Today I am joined by the wonderful Dr. Navaz Habib. Dr. Habib is a chiropractor, functional medicine practitioner, speaker and author of Activate Your Vagus Nerve, Unleash Your Body's Natural Ability to Heal. I read this book over Christmas and messaged him immediately because I felt so inspired by what I read and wanted to share that knowledge with all of you. As we find ourselves in the midst of a global pandemic whilst being constantly bombarded with devastating news stories, it is no surprise that we are feeling more stressed than ever. So I'm hoping that Dr. Habib can help us understand exactly how that stress is affecting us on a physiological level and give us some tools that we can use to get back in control of our health. Hello! (laughs) I'm so excited to be here, Roxy. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. And you are all the way in Toronto. I am locked down here in Canada. Oh my goodness. How have you been finding it all? It's been an interesting journey, I think, for everybody. It's been a little bit uh, surreal for everyone to have to not be around others that we love all the time, to have to physically distance and and the stress of having to take care of my daughter at home and, mm. you know, do all of the the fun parenting things while still trying to run the business at the same time. I think for a lot of people, it's been a, a very interesting, uh, let's go with learning experience. Well, it's definitely that. It's definitely <laughs> that. You know, I always find myself watching um, movies or yes. watching things on TV and you see people just living normal lives at bars restaurants and you just think oh my goodness that's what life was like yeah (laughs) (laughs) I feel so struck by it absolutely it's it's surreal to see those things happening and to think that like just a year ago everything was so normal and now Mm. we're in in a completely different world as it seems right now absolutely so while we are doing a little special health episode with you I do want to ask you to Maybe tell us about one of your defining life moments. Yeah, it's a, it's my my story is is very similar to a lot of different functional medicine doctors, people that kind of got into this uh, region of functional medicine uh, based on their own health journey, the, their challenges that they personally had to overcome. And so mine is very similar. So for me, I think my most memorable defining moment was on my first anniversary with my wife. We sat down at a restaurant and at the time 
um, I had purchased a, a clinic. I was uh, running a chiropractic clinic at the time, essentially finishing up a, just about a year, a little bit less than a year in terms of running the business and being a business owner myself. But my health was suffering. I weighed 250 pounds at my absolute max. I had high blood pressure, high blood sugar. I was borderline diabetic. And I'm a chiropractor. I'm a doctor. I'm trying to teach people about health. I'm trying to show them what uh, health truly is and, and how to overcome the challenges that are there. And yet I'm not doing that for myself. And so the moment I remember very clearly, we were in downtown Toronto. We were sitting at a restaurant um, eating a meal, eating a dinner. And, uh, we turned to each other and we said, we got to do something about this. We have to take control of our health. We have to take control of our diet. We have to make the decision to overcome whatever this is so that when we do eventually decide to have kids, when we do eventually decide to take the responsibility of, of being parents, that we are, not giving our kids the tools that that caused us to go down the same path, but rather teaching them how to overcome these challenges, how to overcome the the little bit of genetic predisposition that's present and to make the changes in their environment to be able to take this on and to be able to thrive in the world uh, with their health. I love that. So how did you start? Where did you start? It's a great question. We started... Uh, just based on the fact that weight was an issue, we decided we were going to start looking at dietary plans and uh, start calorie counting, start tracking diet. I started, I think I was one of the first people on MyFitnessPal to track my food and understand what was going on there. But the moment that it kind of happened where I, I realized what I needed to do was another moment, I guess. Um, I was working at another chiropractic clinic a couple of days a week, just part-time. And a gentleman walked into the office and and I still remember that moment so clearly because I was standing at an area in the office where I very rarely stand at a time when I'm very rarely there. I was actually about ready to go home and a gentleman walked into the office and he said, my wife is in a car accident. We need to get her some treatment. And he said, I'm a chiropractor myself, but I don't practice chiropractic anymore. And I turned to him and I said, what do you do if you don't practice chiropractic anymore? And he said, I practice functional medicine. Oh. That gentleman is uh, an amazing uh, mentor of mine now. His name is Sachin Patel. And he was the one that introduced me to the idea of functional medicine, the idea of what health truly was, to be able to look at the root cause, to be able to understand where the challenge is truly coming from and to take the steps to overcome those challenges. And that was the moment where everything really shifted for me. Oh, beautiful such a beautiful moment of sort of serendipity there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So what is functional medicine? Functional medicine is an approach that's taken by whatever type of doctor. It doesn't matter whether the doctor is an MD, a naturopath, osteopath, chiropractor. We all have this uh, mindset as to how functional medicine is approached. And what functional medicine is, is the approach taken where we're not just looking at a diagnosis, where we're not just looking at health from a label perspective, but rather trying to figure out what caused this specific individual to go down the path that they're in that then eventually got them to the diagnosis that they've been given or the challenge that they're experiencing. We want to look backwards. We want to look upstream of the problem. We know now from research that's out there that 
genetics plays about a 30% role in our overall health. But the environment plays a 70% role. And the environment is what we can change. It's what we can affect. We know now that the microbiome, the gut bacteria, parasites, viruses, yeast, the things that live in our gut that affect us from a biochemical perspective play a major role in our environment. We know now that stress and hormone balance, according to all of the, the challenges that we're experiencing and how we overcome those challenges, is going to play a major role in our overall health. And so taking on the understanding of what did this person go through through their childhood? What are the timelines based on when the challenge happened? Was there childhood trauma? Was there some sort of major stressor? Was there a divorce? Was there um, challenges with uh, postpartum depression? Were there challenges um, in regards to significant issues like exactly what we're going through right now in regards to lockdown and whatnot? Were there challenges that came up that caused the health challenges to become more exasperated? And if so, what were those challenges from a biochemical, physical, and emotional perspective? Then we can look at the person holistically, wholeheartedly, and understand that it's not just about the diagnosis. Because if we're just treating a diagnosis, we're not helping the person. The person needs to be addressed, the individual, the, the journey that they've been on. And so functional medicine is a way to look back and look upstream to figure out what caused that specific challenge to occur in that individual. So this is really interesting to me. So you you touched on there that um, you're looking as far back as sort of childhood trauma or looking at something like postnatal depression. So there are big life events that happened in our past and those can really be um, contributing to us suffering in our health today? 100%. How is that so? So many of our challenges occur throughout our lives when we're not aware of what things are going on. And even earlier than childhood trauma, a lot of these things can come up even from a generational sense as well, if we look back further and we're, we're able to look deeper into the research. But from a biochemical and functional medicine perspective, we want to look at the journey that a specific person has been on. Childhood trauma creates a very specific lens through which kids and, and eventually adults see the world. And if we see the world as though something is working against us, our biochemistry actually changes because of that. If you've ever read the book, The Biology of Belief by Bruce Lipton, which I highly recommend to everybody, he talks about the just the small negative thought that a single person can have contributing very negatively to a, a change in the biochemistry, a very small change. But if we continuously have these negative thoughts, if we continuously have these challenges that come up, pushing us in this negative direction, then we continuously are going to have these negative biochemical reactions where it's not creating optimal function, where we're not getting the right nutrients in to our cells. And thus our cells can't do the job that they need to do. The other thing that happens is we shift our physiology from a sympathetic state or for, from a parasympathetic rest and digest state into this parasympathetic uh, fight and flight state. This is our autonomic nervous system. This is what drives so many of the processes within our body uh, into an area where it, sh it isn't working optimally, where we want to be in a very rest, digest, recovery-based state as often as possible. 
And if we're not able to shift our physiology from that fight or flight sympathetic state into that parasympathetic rest, digest, recovery state, then we're not ever going to be able to properly digest our food. We're not actually going to be breathing correctly. That's a really important piece here. We'll talk talk a little bit more about breath yes, really soon. I actually have it written down. That I want to talk to you about breath. <laughs> <laughs> and we're then obviously not going to be able to um, create this recovery state. So if we go and we work out, we need to recover from that workout. We need to recover from the stressors of our normal day as well. So being able to shift your physiology, being able to turn on the system that allows recovery and rest to occur is so adamant. It's so important in our journey towards health. And I think what's really interesting, I want to just go a bit more into the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system, because as far as I'm aware, a little bit of stress is good for us, right? Sometimes we need that fight or flight response in extreme circumstances, you know? That's but absolutely the right. The problem is, is that now we're chronically stressed. So yes. whereas we're, when we were sort of evolved, you know, and, you know, thousands of years ago, we had a tiny bit of fight or flight to um, deal with dangerous situations, but now we're under stress all the time. So we're never really tapping into our parasympathetic nervous system to slow everything down again. That's absolutely right. So many of us are sitting at our at our jobs right now in our homes generally where we're locked down in our homes and we're sitting here in a physically stressful situation where we're sitting on our office chairs in poor posture with um, snacks all around us and, and bad choices being made. And so we have this physical stress that's occurring. We have biochemical stress that's occurring and the emotional stress of not being able to see our friends, not being able to see our families, not being able to um, be the uh, the extrovert that, that we want to be in, in certain circumstances. And even if we're introverted, we're stuck alone all the time or we're stuck with certain people all the time. And so those are emotional stressors that can come up. And these three types of stress, the physical, the biochemical, and the emotional stress, all contribute very strongly to keeping us in that stressed fight or flight sympathetic state. And so what we need to do is we need to create opportunities, create habits and routines that are consciously able to shift us back to our parasympathetic side. Okay, so before I ask you how we can do that, what I want to ask is just a re just to be really clear, what, and I think I know the answer, but because I think it's everything, but what are the sort of detrimental health effects of being in this constant state of stress? Yeah, it's a great question. So when we're constantly under stress, and that means that we're in this sympathetic state more than 50, 60, 70% of the time, which is a very common number at this point. When we're in this state for too long, what it does is it doesn't allow our, the certain systems in our body to function at their optimal uh, levels. If you ever go back uh, to hearing about like Hippocrates and the Hippocratic Oath, which is recited by all of the medical doctors as they uh, exit medical school. The gentleman who came up with that, Hippocrates, actually had a very important line uh, as well that, that I think is actually missed out on right now. And he said, all disease begins in the gut. All disease, all chronic disease starts in the gut. 
And what that means is when the gut does not function correctly, when the digestive system is not given the opportunity to function at its highest level, it means that we're not able to get the right nutrients into our bodies and into our cells so that our cells can do their good work. So when we're under stress, like I said, we're in that fight and flight system. And what that means is blood flow is going towards the muscles of our limbs, our arms and our legs, so we can either fight off whatever stressful threat there is in front of us, or we can run away from it. So the the blood goes to the muscles of the legs. And that's important in certain circumstances. Like you said, we want to make sure that we are able to turn that system on when necessary. But if we're in that state too often, then blood flow and, and attention from our body does not go towards the gut. It doesn't go towards the liver. It doesn't go towards the stomach, the small intestine, and the large intestine, as well as the pancreas. These are the main organs that are necessary, not only for breaking down our food, but also for absorbing that food into the bloodstream and filtering out anything that shouldn't be coming in. So we want to make sure that when we are eating, when we are in that parasympathetic state, that we're doing it optimally, that we're getting into a state where we can turn on the blood flow to the gut, that we're not trying to run away from something. And so I I was guilty of this in the past. I used to make sure to scarf down my meal very quickly between patients. I used to be in a very stressed state between patients and I wouldn't take conscious time away from uh, working with people. I would be running to the bank. I would be running to pick up uh, office supplies and I would be picking up food in the drive-thru. And I was eating under stress. I was getting my nutrients theoretically in a very stressful state. And so I wasn't allowing my body to actually function at a high level. I wasn't allowing those nutrients to get into the digestive tract to be broken down and to be absorbed effectively. And so my cells were not taking on those right nutrients. And so what was happening was anything that was coming in was essentially going into storage. And that's what led to my weight gain. That's what led to the hormonal imbalances. That's what led to the low energy that I was experiencing. The biggest change I noticed when I started to take time for my meals, when I started to make better decisions, when I started to get into that parasympathetic state was my energy levels. It wasn't the fact that I was digesting food better. It was my energy levels. I would wake up in the morning and feel so much more excited and energized because I was getting the right nutrients in, allowing my cells to do the job that they knew they how, how to do it effectively and, and at their highest level. Absolutely. I love that. And I think it's so important to be reminded of it because we're not seeing what's happening at a cellular level. So, you know, we're eating, even if say we go and eat um, a salad because we think it's good for us and we think it's full of nutrients, if we're still eating it in a stressed state, we're not getting the most out of that kind of healthy and nutritious meal. That's absolutely right. So what are some ways that we can really shift ourselves from this sympathetic state into the parasympathetic? There's a couple very simple tools that anybody can really take on to shift their state. But to understand it uh, as well, I'd like to step back and kind of point out where these ideas come from. Where do these challenges begin and why are we not able to get into that state very effectively? So many of us are living in that stress state, and that's leading to increased inflammation in our body. It's leading to a lack of digestion, effectively, a lack of recovery from the stress. And that increases our inflammatory levels. That increases inflammation 
not only in our gut, but also in our muscles and our brains. It's leading to brain fogginess. It's leading to low energy. And the way to shift this is to turn on the vagus nerve. So this is why I wrote the book, Activate Your Vagus Nerve. Too many of us aren't able to shift our physiology from that sympathetic to the parasympathetic. The parasympathetic rest, digest, and recovery system is actually run through the vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is actually two nerves, one on each side of our, uh, from our, our brainstem. And it comes down through the neck and it goes to a bunch of different muscles and skin in, the, uh, in and around the head. But then it is the only nerve that leaves the head area and goes down to the thorax, which is our chest, and down into the abdomen, which is obviously our gut. And it sends signals from the gut to the brain, from the brain to the gut, from all of the organs in our abdomen outside of the digestive tract as well, as well as to the heart and to the lungs. And so to understand whether you're in a sympathetic or a parasympathetic state, the easiest way to check this is to check your heart rate and then to check your heart rate variability. So heart rate, we know. What is is it? It's the beats per minute. How many beats of our heart are we experiencing every minute? When we're in a parasympathetic state, that number is going to be quite low. It's in that 40 to 65, 70 range. When we're in a sympathetic zone, it can be anywhere between that 65 to uh, 150 beats per minute. So generally when you're working out, when you're trying to get your heart rate elevated, when you're working out, you're actually shifting your physiology into that sympathetic state. And that's a good thing. We should be doing that. But we should also be able to shift that back to that lower uh, kind of 45 to 60, 65 range generally pretty easily. So that's a really simple tool that anybody can use to understand what state they're in. Another really important thing to look at is how you're breathing and your breath rate. The slower, calmer we breathe, the more we know that we're in that parasympathetic state. When we're under stress, let's say, for example, our boss taps us on the shoulder or obviously when we were working back in our offices, our boss gives us a call and says, hey, I need to talk to you. All of a sudden, the first thing that's going to happen is we're going to go into a little bit of a stress state. We're going to get this idea of, oh my goodness, I'm getting flushed, starting to sweat a little bit, noticing that eyes are uh, opening, that our, our pupils are dilating. We're looking for an escape. We're looking for a way out. And that shuts down our digestive system, but it's also going to turn on our uh, parasym- or turn on our sympathetic nervous system. It's going to put us into that state of fight or flight. So it's very, very important to understand where that's going to come from. What we can do to shift that is to take a moment and take a breath and slow down that breath rate. Shift our breath from uh, breathing through our mouth, which we should be breathing through our nose. So shifting to breathing through our nose and taking a moment to make sure that when we are breathing, that we're using our diaphragm to do so, that we're using our belly. So what I like to do, and I have a lot of my patients do this, I have them put one hand on their chest and one hand on their belly. And just take a moment, sit, close your eyes, take that breath in and breathe it out and notice which hand is moving. If the hand that's on your chest is the one that's expanding, then we know that we're in too much of a stress state and we need to take a moment and shift that breath back to the gut, back to the abdomen. And the only hand that should be moving is that lower hand, the hand on the abdomen. And so that what that means is we're breathing using our diaphragm. And that is the simplest 
most uh, concise, most accurate way to shift our physiology from uh, sympathetic to parasympathetic. The breath is just so powerful, isn't it? Yes, yes, it's the absolute key. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Especially, I think, as women, we are so kind of, I think, conditioned to suck our tummies in, to always breathe in that, um, you know, we actually, I think we, I think personally, a lot of us grow up not breathing right because we think we should be sucking our tummies in in some level. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I couldn't believe when I first realized that I was meant to breathe through from my tummy, I must've been about 26, 27 till I actually knew that I was breathing wrong. Um, And now I really make sure to keep checking in. Um, And it does, it absolutely does shift your whole um, state, your whole you just feel good when you breathe in the right way. You instantly feel calmer. Oh, even just then, just doing that one breath while you're talking it through, I was like, oh, I felt myself really relax. Exactly. It, get, it shifts your physiology so quickly because we don't realize it. it. It actually happens so subconsciously. We're not aware of our breathing until we take control and we actually shift our mindset and our attention to our breath. And as soon as you do, you realize that you're breathing incorrectly, that your breath is actually causing you to feel the way that you are. And you can actually have a very emotional and very positive shift if you focus on breathing correctly through your diaphragm. Mm, I love that. Thank you. So what are some other ways that we can start to really shift away from that stress state? Do you recommend things like yoga? Um, you know, what meditation, what kind of things work for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of anything that allows you to focus on your breath under stress. Okay, so the breath, again, is the key to all of this. We want to make sure that we're focusing on ensuring that our, our breathing is optimal, that we're using 
our diaphragm that we're breathing through our nose, ideally. And we want to be able to do this under different types of, types of circumstances, under different stressors. Shifting our state is, is one piece of the puzzle, but it all comes down to how we're breathing under stress. And so training ourselves to breathe effectively or breathe accurately under stress is really the key. So yoga is an absolutely wonderful way to do this. Pilates is another wonderful way to do this. Joseph Pilates actually has a quote, and you'll kind of understand that I'm a, I'm a quote guy. Uh, but Joseph Pilates talks a lot about the fact that too many of us don't know how to breathe correctly. And that is actually what's driving the chronic health disease um, challenges that we're all experiencing so so readily. So what yoga and Pilates do really well is the focus is still on how are you breathing? The focus is on on your breath. The positions that you're going to take on, the the um, Let's say, for example, you t- you do child's pose or you do a downward dog. You're essentially putting your body into a different position, a stressful position, but still focusing on breathing effectively in this stressful position. So that's a really wonderful tool that we we really like to use is, is how do you help to, to get your attention, get your focus on your breath under stress? And so what I like to talk about is, those people that are really high performers, we and the most simple examples are athletes and um, and musicians, artists. So think of the people that are at the absolute top of their game. We're talking like Beyonce, we're talking like um, Tiger Woods, we're talking like the the top end athletes, the top end um, Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, and we're watching how they perform under stress. And these are the people that are able to focus their attention back to their breath and to perform at the very highest level, even in the most stressful circumstances. Okay. What can these people do is what what they're doing is they're making sure that what they've taught themselves in their training, they're able to apply in competition in real life and in the challenges that are coming up. But the focus to all of that is how do you keep your heart rate low? How do you keep your breath rate low? How do you make sure that you're in that parasympathetic zone, even when the stress or the stakes are very high? So the highest performers can do this. And so the challenge is for us is how do we train ourselves so effectively that when the stressors do come up in our regular life and our regular days, that we can take on this challenge and keep ourselves within that parasympathetic zone. And so it's, again, how do you train your breath in that specific scenario. Yoga and Pilates are wonderful. Meditation is an amazing, amazing tool. And I'm sure if you read books about this, you read about so many different uh, high performers, that meditation is a huge piece of the puzzle. They're oftentimes visualizing how they perform under that pressure. They're visualizing how things are going. They're focusing on uh, achieving whatever the goal is, but they're doing it while still focusing their attention on their breath and staying in that parasympathetic zone. So I talk a lot about this. Meditation is wonderful. Um, We discussed yoga and Pilates being absolutely wonderful. And then for some people, and and this is a really interesting one, it might not be for everybody, um, but cold showers are a wonderful way to do this as well. We don't like to think about getting into the shower and allowing cold water to um, into a cold bath or into a cold shower, allowing us to kind of get into that uh, cold temperature. We do think showers are comfortable, but what we need to do sometimes 
is to stress ourselves out, to train ourselves under that stress. And oftentimes it's looking at, at what's the most challenging way that we can address our breath. And that is getting into an intense or extreme temperature like cold. And what that'll do is actually uh, allow us when we're under that, that cold shower, when the water is hitting us in the most sensitive areas to take a moment, close our eyes and focus on diaphragmatic breathing under stress. I like to think of it like a person who's training uh, through weightlifting, for example. So uh, somebody who wants to do their bench press, they want to work their bench press up into uh, a specific PR level. They want to get a personal record with their bench press. They want to hit 200 pounds uh, on their bench press, but they don't start at 200 pounds. They start at 50, right? And so I align that starting point with just focusing on your breathing. But how do you build yourself up towards that 200 pound bench press? You have to train under pressure. You have to increase the, the stress that your body is under and teach your body how to handle that stress to get up to that 200 pound bench press level. And so cold showers are exactly that. Cold showers are like putting an extra plate onto the, uh, onto the bar and getting under it and trying to do a bench press with an extra 90 pounds on the, on the bar and you're pushing yourself, you're, you're straining yourself in short bursts to get yourself closer towards your goal. And so focusing on the breath in that way is a very cool way to think about it. I love this. It makes me look at yoga in a totally different way because I'm a qualified yoga teacher and obviously I know how amazing yoga is for us and meditation and everything, but I never thought about it, that we're training our breath under stress. And it's just, I mean, that is literally every yoga pose, you know, holding a pose through that discomfort, through that, um, you know, your muscles begin to shake, but always maintaining your breath, always maintaining your focus, always trying to keep calm. And that is, that is yoga, isn't it? So that is a really, I'm so glad that you've um, shown me a new way of looking at it. Um, and I love the cold shower. It's very, because that's the Wim, Wim Hof is the new kind of craze, isn't it? That's exactly um, right. And Wim Hof is exactly that, right? He's, he's the epitome or that example of somebody who can take on that extreme uh, temperature that extreme cold and still have that focus of breath and, and what he can do. So if those who don't know about Wim Hof, he's physically like he's there's, there was a really awesome um, study that he did essentially was that he had uh, doctors inject him with bacterial endotoxin, which is actually something that if we have a really high level of it in our body, we go into sepsis. We could very easily die from that. He actually, without any other, medical intervention had doctors inject him with bacterial endotoxin which is the byproduct of bacteria and he simply through controlling his breath decreased the inflammation level so much that his body was able to clear out that bacterial endotoxin on its wow. own wow that's so cool god i love this i love i love love this i'm so excited to be telling people about the power of breath i want to also speak to you about you mentioned earlier that when we have um negative thoughts they can affect our physiological state and i think that's something i really want to sort of highlight because I think we think of our body and our mind as separate things, but really they are completely intertwined and every single thought, feeling, emotion has a reaction 
um, in our biochemistry, in our inside our bodies, in our physiology. What's your kind of thoughts on this um, relationship between our thinking and our bodies? Um, and what can we do to really um, counteract, you know, the negative effects of um, stressful thoughts and, and that kind of thing? It's a great question. For me, stress and, and how our, our body reacts, the mind and the body are one. There's no question about it. We think of the brain being, like you said, separate, and it really isn't. We have a direct physical connection via the vagus nerve to the gut. And we now know that there's more nerve endings in our gut than there is in our brain, in fact. The enteric nervous system actually has more nerve endings and, and as actually the source of a lot of our neurochemistry or neurophysiology starts in the gut. So oftentimes, and I know that this is something that you've experienced in your past, but anxiety and the, the challenges that come up from kind of negative thoughts and negative emotions, the physiological change that occurs there is that there's a shift in our neurochemistry, that our, our neurotransmitters which are the chemicals that signal specific feelings between our brain cells and, and other cells will actually shift. And the, the quantity of these uh, neurotransmitters dictates our emotions. It dictates how we feel about certain things. So let's say, for example, adrenaline, right? We think of adrenaline, it's the hormone, but there's a neurochemistry version of this, which is norepinephrine and epinephrine. And this is uh, an important neurochemistry neurotransmitter that tells us essentially how well we're handling stress. If we don't have enough of this neurotransmitter, our ability to handle stressful circumstances decreases. Okay. Another one, very important one is dopamine. Dopamine is our motivation molecule. It's our reward seeking molecule. It's that idea of every time you have a craving, for a certain type of food, especially if that craving is for chocolate, that craving is actually a dopamine deficiency. And we're hoping to get more dopamine. We're hoping to get that reward. The same thing that happens when we pull out our phones and we look on Instagram and we see uh, 300 likes on one of our posts, that is a very positive, rewarding experience. We're excited about what that means. And so it gives us a dopamine rush. And then the third one that I want to talk about is serotonin. Serotonin is our mood molecule. And oftentimes we're sitting a little bit low or a little bit down on serotonin. Here's a crazy stat for you. 94% of the serotonin within our body is located within our gut. We actually, when, when people talk about gut feelings and the way we feel, it actually begins in the gut. And that tells us how strong that connection is between the body and the mind that our emotions and how we feel about things truly begins in the gut, that our body has so much more to say about this. It's not just our mind. And so the two do need to work interconnectedly. This is what functional medicine talks a lot about. We want to take that step back and understand the way you're feeling about something is probably affecting your gut. And the way your gut is functioning is affecting the way you're feeling. And so we need to take a look at both when we want to address this issue subclinical depression, postpartum depression, challenges that come up uh, after certain stressful circumstances are oftentimes linked to our biochemistry. And that looks at our gut as being the primary driver of it. Yeah. Oh, I, it's, it's one of my favorite stats, actually, that one about the serotonin being produced in the gut, because it's, uh, 
you know, I when people do come to me and they kind of say, I'm feeling low, I'm feeling anxious, feeling depressed. Um, you know, the first thing I always say is, how are you moving your body? What are you fueling it with? Because that is all, you know, around our gut health and our gut health, I think is so important to our overall well-being. So I love, I love how you've um, touched on that. And I think it's so, um, it's so important for us to remember that, you know, our bodies are influencing our minds and how we are perceiving things and our minds are affecting um, our, our physiological state. Um, and what I want to ask you, with the dopamine thing that you just said, that if we have a craving, it could be because we're low on dopamine. So is there a way to hack our dopamine levels to be higher so that we crave things less? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if we're looking at kind of the idea of biohacking and making sure that our body chemistry is functioning really well, the way functional medicine looks at this is understand um, from a genetic perspective, getting some genetic testing is obviously a very good way to do this, but how quickly does your body break down dopamine? In my personal case, I break down dopamine very, very quickly. I, I don't hold on to emotions very quickly. The cravings come up and then I, I need to essentially, I need uh, a dopamine rush to feel that the craving has been satisfied. So a lot of people have this same genetic predisposition to break down dopamine really quickly. So the thing that I personally use to help to make sure that I have a decent dopamine level present in my body. And so I'm not constantly going out and craving things or, or uh, going back and uh, essentially trying to fulfill that craving is by uh, addressing what's producing that dopamine in the first place and looking back and the amino acid precursor to dopamine is actually L-tyrosine. So if we're able to make sure that our L-tyrosine amino acid levels are, are optimized, I actually supplement with the product that contains L-tyrosine and vitamin B6, which is, they kind of go hand in hand with one another. Uh, when I make sure that I have the building blocks to build up the dopamine that my body is able to produce it at a relatively high level. And so I don't need to go out looking for those uh, things that I'm craving, that my dopamine levels are not uh, high enough at that time. Oh, I love that. You know, I've, I haven't explored biohacking much. So that's kind of my first little insight into it. And I'm fascinated. Thank you so much. Uh, what about sleep? Let's go into sleep a little bit. Sleep is a really important area. I like to think of sleep almost like a like the gym for the vagus nerve. And it's where the vagus nerve does its best work. We need to make sure that we're getting optimal recovery. And that happens primarily when we're sleeping. We know that in an ideal situation, people are sleeping generally approximately eight hours per night, which is a third of our lives, basically. We want to make sure that we're not just falling asleep for the sake of sleeping, but that we're actually getting good, restful, deep sleep, that we're dreaming effectively, that we're feeling recovered and, and happy when we wake up and energized when we wake up. The way to do this, there's a few different tips that I have in regards to optimizing sleep. Okay. The first being making sure that your environment is dark and cool. We want to be in this, in this optimal environment, and that has to do with the light that we're being exposed to at night, so ideally like a blackout, uh, blackout curtains on the windows, um, making sure that the area is relatively dark, that we don't have TVs and cell phones all over the place, keeping us awake. And 
that the temperature in that space is a little bit cooler. Our bodies do better when they cool down. It actually slows our breath rate down. It slows our heart rate down. It allows us to get into a state where our physiology can shift and we can send blood flow to repair any damage, any issues that have come up. And so our body goes into that optimal recovery zone. And most important thing again, and and I'm going to obviously be harping on this a lot, is breathing at night as well. I'm myself guilty of this. But uh, if we have breathing challenges at night, if we are unable to breathe effectively through the night, then we actually are not giving our body the best chance to recover and we're going to wake up less rested. Sleep apnea and snoring are very, very big challenges. Breathing through our mouth is a very, very big issue. So many of us are breathing um, in and out through our mouth throughout the night because we're so unconscious during that time. We're not aware that that's what's happening. A tool that I really like to use to help to make sure that I'm breathing through my nose, that all of the air that's coming in and out is going through my nose, through my sinuses, getting humidified, getting filtered effectively before it gets to my lungs, is I actually tape my mouth shut at night. I use a a tool called mouth taping. I use a basic uh, 3M micropore tape that doesn't leave any residue on my lips. And I literally tape my mouth shut at night and I use um, a strip to make sure that my nose stays open. And I get a a very simple example. Last night, I got 54% deep sleep in my, uh, in my sleep score. I track my sleep every night using uh, the aura ring. And that is in itself a very, very good uh, sign that I'm recovering really well, that my body is taking time to, uh, put itself into a position that the next day that it's going to be better, that I can recover from any challenges that I had from a workout yesterday, from any stressors that came up yesterday. And so I can show up today without those challenges affecting me. Do you feel different when you use the mouth tape? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. There's, there's no question about it. I notice, and I, I can actually, it's on my aura ring tracking, but I notice that my deep sleep levels are closer to about 20 to 30% when I don't mouth tape and between 40 and 50% when I do. I actually got off a call yesterday with one of my old, one of my clients and she was telling me that her sleep has been affected really recently, uh, pretty significantly. And it was due to a lot of the anxiety. Is she making sure to get her kids enough of the nutrients that they need? Are, are there, um, is she making sure to do all the research that she needs to do about this vaccine before it becomes a thing? Is she aware of all the things that is going to affect her family during the current time that we're in? And she was essentially allowing this stress to take over her physiology and not allow her to go into that state of calm, rest, digest, and recovery, allowing her not to get to sleep. And one of the things I find is is beyond the biochemistry and, and changing supplements and changing nutrients, the most important thing that we can do for ourselves is to focus on our health. And what that does is it shifts the way that we show up on a daily basis and it allows us to be at the best for our families, for our loved ones. And I told her the best thing you can think of right now is that whatever is going on with the world, we've seen what's going on in the United States, we see what's going on um, around the world with the lockdowns and all the challenges that are happening. You have to note that this too will pass. Everything is cyclical. I remember four years ago, 
so many people were under the impression Donald Trump was elected and the world is going to fall apart. And four years later, here we are. Things are still going in a very, like the world is still rotating, right? This world is still spinning. The world is not going to end. What we need to note is what we do about it in the moment, what we do in, in that time is to focus on our breath, focus on ourselves and worry about what we're able to, how we're showing up on a daily basis. And that changes everything. What can I say? You have been absolutely amazing. I have learned so much. Please tell us how can we have more information for you? Where can we find um, you? Absolutely. I just started my podcast a little while ago. Um, it's the Health Upgrade Podcast. It's on all of the same platforms. So you can definitely listen to more of these um, as well. I do like a 10 minute episode and then I interview a, a health expert or somebody to help you show up a little bit better every day. Um, and those come out once a week. And the book is probably the next best place to go look. Take a look at the book, Activate Your Vagus Nerve um, on all the platforms it's available. Highly recommend it. Thank you so much. I'm wishing you all the best. I know you've got another little baby on the way. Um, yes, we're so, uh, about a week out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Can you are you ready for newborn life again? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I I think you forget, don't you? Like yeah. I'm just like, how do you actually, you, but you do, you just get on with it. But then you look back and you're like, how did I survive off that little sleep? I don't understand. 100%. I'm racking my brain on how it's going to happen again and how I'm going to make sure that the business doesn't go under because I'm not there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless you. Well, look, thank you again so much. Good luck with everything. I'm definitely, I would love to keep in touch and do more with you because... I think you explained things so well. You make it so um, attainable for everyone. And I think that is so, so important. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Roxy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 